In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Spencer Williams, General Manager of Amphenol Network Solutions in Liberty Lake, Washington. Spencer has been part of Telect, which became part of Amphenol Network Solutions since 2009. We talk about Network Solutions business, dealing with the pandemic, and what he's most excited about for the future. We talk about growing up in the family business and the realization that it was something that he really wanted to be a part of. We talk about the writings of Adam Smith and why he chose to become a horned frog. And we talk about his Desert Island music, book, and movie. This is The Interface. First of all, Spencer, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And as the general manager of Network Solutions, Amphenol Network Solutions, I'll start there. And if you could just describe, we'll call it ANS to make it short. If you could describe yep. ANS, what you're all about, what your specialties are, what makes you unique to your industry. Yeah, yeah. So Amphenol Network Solutions was really formed out of really two businesses that were both, you know, acquired by Amphenol. So acquired by Amphenol in, in uh, 2017 and 2016. So okay. all systems broadband and, and Telect. Um, both those organizations really focused on um, fiber optic connectivity as a main focus as we move forward, as well as physical layer one infrastructure. So when we look at our business where we are fully focused inside plant. So we don't do anything outside plant like our sister companies do with Charles Industries and some others. We're really focused on on, on having the best cable management in, in industry and really high quality product and uh, reducing that operating expense for our customers as much as we can. Um, so our business, Amphenol Network Solutions, is is headquartered in Liberty Lake, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have two offices in the U.S. We have one in Livermore, California, one in North, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and then we also have um, some manufacturing done in Guadalajara. So okay. that's our main manufacturing facility. Um, and the markets we serve mainly uh, telecom, so telecom as well as cable TV and the data center space. Um, those are the the three focuses for us. North America is our core. Uh, we do quite a bit, um, you know, in Latin America as well as some over overseas. But uh, um, North America is is kind of that core market for us. And if you could just do highlights of the product portfolio, like what yep. would you typically say were were some of the the things that you would promote the most or the highlights for what you do? Yeah, our big our biggest business is in the is in fiber optic connectivity platforms. So when you really look at that, you're talking a, a fiber shelf or a panel that houses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, straight connectivity. So you know, LC MPO jumpers, uh, as well as uh, what we we term internally as advanced optical modules. And in these optical modules, you have you know uh, DWDM, CWDM, uh, you have MPO breakouts. Um, taps and splitters. Uh, that's really our bread and butter. And that's where we have most of our subject matter expertise around. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's been the, the largest way we can serve our customers. And a lot of that I'm assuming is custom um, and not necessarily catalog part numbers. Uh, I think you guys would have something that you would call catalog parts as well. Yeah. But what you're referring to is really the custom solution for whatever the customer needs. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, we try and, and I apologize for not saying this earlier, a, a large business part of our business as well as in racks, uh, mm-hmm. uh, network racks, as well as, um, you know, we are, we are, uh, one of our main focuses is power distribution as well. Um, so when we're talking that that's negative 48 and 24 volt, uh, DC power in, 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 in a telco space or a, a DC space. But when you, to, to answer that question that you just asked, I think, you know, all of our customers want something unique. Uh, all of all of the customers want, or they, they don't want, they need, yeah. you know, quick delivery. They need sure. a cost competitive product. So when we look at portfolio catalog parts, you know, our goal really as a as a business that has you know stewardship towards our customers as well as our our employees and our shareholders and and our community and suppliers you know, we really try to focus on how can we make as much of what we sell standard. And, um, and we, and, and I, I believe very much that that benefits the customer because we can have it on the shelf in time. We can, we can gain some economies and, and, and provide a competitive price. Yeah. And so, uh, so our goal in engineering is really to utilize common components wherever we can. Mm-hmm. So even though the finished good might be custom to one of our customers, uh, the, the raw materials can be used across multiple platforms, almost the, uh, the Taco Bell model, if you will. No, it's a it's a good analogy, uh, and it makes sense because then you're not talking about, you know, creating 10x the amount of uh, engineering drawings and part numbers and all that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, you know, you know, I know other Amphenol divisions that do similar things as well when they offer customization, but that customization is largely referring to hey, if you stick within these boxes, so to speak. Um, and utilize these uh, connectors or these accessories, mm-hmm. it's actually going to make the customization process much easier, smoother, and quicker than if you just go blank sheet of paper and let's just start drawing. Well, okay, we can do that too, but you know, you're talking about 4X the lead time and there's going to be NRE yeah. charges and all sorts of stuff. So, so yeah, yeah it makes total and, sense. And obviously, you know, there's every once in a while customers that, can't live with inside the box and, yeah. and we're always, we're always willing to, uh, uh, to support those customers needs. Well, of course. Yeah. Cause those, they're also a little bit more, uh, willing to, uh, compensate you that's properly right. for that as well. That's right. I guess that's, that's right. the best way to put it. So, yeah. so as far as your history was with Telec, right. And if I, Correct. if I did a little bit of research correctly, was it you part of the family that, that owned yep. that? Yeah. So what, what was that? So tell me a little bit about that then. Yeah. So my grandparents uh, started the business um, almost, almost 40 years ago. Wow. Uh, and, you know, so when, when, when I grew up, I, I really didn't have the goal and efforts necessarily initially to work in the family business. I, for some reason thought that medical medical was going to be my route. And then I realized after some job shadows in high school and uh, one chemistry class that that was not what God gifted me with. So, um, you know, eventually, eventually, you know, as I was, as growing up, you know, we heard a lot of family disputes and things over Thanksgiving dinner table and everything else between my father and my grandfather. And, um, you know, there was always a little bit of interest, but really what made me realize, you know, I really wanted to, to, to enter this family business was really a couple things. And the first being, uh, you know, when I was 16 years old, my dad had the opportunity to take 
me on an international business trip. So we got to oh, wow. uh, visit one of our customers in, in Cairo, Egypt, a couple of customers in, in, um, uh, in, in the UK. And so as I was, you know, going through this, I was like, you know, I could, I could wrap my mind around it, but still I had this thought that I wanted to be in finance or something else at that point after I crossed the, uh, the, you know, chemistry anesthesiologist off the list. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I read a, read a, read a book, uh, um, that called the theory of moral sentiments by Adam Smith. And it's actually uh, his prequel to the wealth of nations. So I went to school for economics and in that process, one of, you know, one of the things he talks about is, you know, wealth isn't what you gain. Wealth is what you add to society. And, and that really hit home to me of, you know, do I want to be, and there's nothing, no, no negative to anybody's job or focus, but I really realized I wanted to make a product or make something with, with what I do in the future. And I realized our products that the family business makes help people communicate. They help people stay in touch with one of one another and how, you know, how I can add back to society is, is by, uh, by creating these products and managing a business that, um, you know, does good. And so, um, that's really where I kind of geared my focus towards, uh, working intellect and, and at that time, I, I actually uh, interned in, in five different, you know, areas of the business yeah. and, and was able to, to gain quite a bit of experience to understand, you know, from quote to order to shipment to, you know, quality RMAs, anything else, how, how the business worked. And um, then I started my career in product management and uh, moved into sales and, you kind of had a little bit of that experience before I, I became general manager of Amphenol Network Solutions in, in uh, end of 2019, so or end of 2018. With it being a, a family business, I mean, it, it's I think you're fairly young, relatively speaking, I think for at least compared to yep. me. Um, but you grew up with it your entire life then, or at least it was part of you know your family, whether it was your grandfather or your father. Um, yep. There... You can, it can go multiple ways with children like that, right? Like you either be totally resentful of it and want to be as far away from that type of a, a living as possible, um, or it's just a natural progression where it's almost like destiny that the the son or the daughter uh, assume the mantle, so to speak, and become part of the family business. Was that something you thought about when you were young? Were you knowledgeable enough or mature enough in your mind to think about that? Or is it just kind of an organic thing that, you know, once the, you know, anesthesiology route kind of, you know, <laughs> was yeah. was deleted that you just thought, you know what, or or maybe it was just the Cairo and UK trip where you thought, I, I think I can yeah, do yeah. this. Yeah, I, I think this is something I'm interested in. Yeah, you know, I was I was really um I, I was very blessed to have a really good upbringing where, where my parents and grandparents never pressured me into being in, involved in the family business. It was always an opportunity for me to intern and, you know, show the family business. But, you know, both my siblings, uh, you know, my, my older brother chose not to be involved in the family business and my, my, you know, younger sister as well. And so we didn't, I never had that, you know, necessarily pressure or dynasty, um, push from my parents, which I think allowed me to, to really, you know, want this. And I don't, I, I don't know, actually, I know for a fact I wouldn't have been as successful if I didn't want it. Right. You have sure, to yeah. want it and, 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 and be rate, you know, be raised with, uh, with that work ethic. So if I gained anything from 
growing in the family business. It's probably the uh, inherent uh, competitive nature against our competition. Uh, <laughs> hearing he, hearing our competitors' names and knowing, hey, let's I want to go take some business from them. That's yeah. That's. That's hilarious. Yeah. Just something you're born with. Yeah. Like if you're a, yeah. a, a Yankees fan, you hate the Red Sox. You know, if you're, that's right. if you're a Telec guy, then you hate whoever it may be. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll ask one more question on this and then I'll move off. I promise. But yeah, regarding, yeah. um, being, you know, a legacy, so to speak, and, and assuming the mantle there at Telec and, and being the general manager now, uh, at the, the Amphenol division, did you ever sense anything like um, like resentment because, oh, well, he's the son and he's the grandson and, and you get kind of a sideways glance from time to time like, well, did he really earn this? Did you feel any pressure on yourself to, to actually work harder in case there was you know, some, uh, some feelings along those lines? Um, just having something similar in my life when I was a teenager – um, I know it, it actually motivated me more than anything else. And yeah. I wonder if it was the same thing with you. It did, you know, and I, I, the business has always had a really good culture. So I don't know if there was any undertones necessarily, but I mean, I also don't blame people for having their own personal opinions right. and I'll never, I'll never turn away that says, you know, the opportunity I had wasn't a wonderful, wonderful gift. But, you know, in that same kind of essay from Adam Smith, he talks about, you know, an impartial spectator and, um, that impartial spectator is almost your internal judge. And I always had that desire to never have my internal judge, uh, tell me that you didn't earn this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, to your point, uh, it did give me more of a, Hey, I'm going to have to fly more miles and get on more planes and, and, and do what it takes. Doesn't necessarily mean just travel is how that happens. But, you know, my goal wasn't to be a really general manager of the organization as much as that I had my eyes on that. My goal was to, to, to go to sleep at night knowing I did my best mm -hmm. and, and knowing that if, if, uh, people had that thought that that thought was unwarranted or uh, proven wrong pretty quickly. You know, people listening to this are going to be going on Amazon and searching for Adam Smith books here. At there you go, there you <laughs> go. Rate, you I, know, this is twice already. Two references. I know. To Adam Smith. I know. He's yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> well, He's not all bad. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll see if this continues at the end of this conversation uh, when I ask you our final questions. But anyway, I digress. Um, with being general manager. And speaking to a lot of them and knowing a lot of them over the past few years, um, you, by and large, you end up being a, a jack of all trades, master of none. So you have to dip your toe in a bunch of different pools to make sure mm -hmm. that things are running smoothly and the entire team is running smoothly. Um, you mentioned that you did internships, I'm assuming throughout college, where you went in different departments yep. to learn the business. I won't ask you which one you're best in. I want to ask you which one gives you the most troubles to really wrap your head around and, and you know, what's the biggest challenge for you when it comes to that? That's great. That's a great question. You know, uh, um, when it, when it, it comes down to it, I think, you know, that there's, I I've always kind of had the thought to your point, there's, there's areas that, you know, I'm, I, I would call myself best in and, 
you know, mm -hmm. can ask the right questions and can go through that. You know, until the past about two years ago, you know, we had some, we had a little bit of, uh, you know, turnover um, in, in one area, largely in the human resources area. And so that was an area that if you asked me two years ago where my biggest weakness was, it was in that human resource. It's not because, you know, there isn't, there's ethics issues or anything else like that, but really because, you know, there's a lot of the business that happens in the background that no one sees mm -hmm. that, you know, surrounding employee benefits, surrounding, you know, taking care of, you know, the, the most valuable capital that we have in the organization. And that's, that's, that's our people. Yeah. Um, and so I learned a lot over the past, uh, you know, couple years as, 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 you know, I was forced really to become an expert, even though, uh, you know, it wasn't a necessary desire of mine. Cause I, I tend to lean more towards the product, the market creation, the sales mm -hmm. side of things. But yeah, that would be that would be somewhere that that I've really grown. I'm still not an expert by any means, but uh, an area that I would say I, I definitely didn't intern there and definitely didn't have the uh, the the strong experience. But I've seen so much value from that the human resource department, and and we've really been able to um, build something great and 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 you know put our employees first. Yeah, it's it's a great point because it's you know it's well you can go to school for human resources and and um, you know become certified and all that you know in my I'm gonna say this with limited experience in it as well it, it really is a feel it's a it's an experience thing you really have to be around certain situations and be around really good mentors to be able to, I think, do that job effectively. There's probably HR people that may be listening to this going, no, that's not it at all. It's, you know, you follow the <laughs> rules and regulations, but yeah, I, I'm with you. That would be a, that would be um, one you'd have to, you know, really pay attention to and focus because you're right. It is, you know, the most valuable resource you're going to have more than anything else is, is making sure that the people um, you have good relationships with them and, and they trust you and you trust them by and large. So what is, from a, a network solutions standpoint, what are your biggest challenges? What have they been over the last year, especially with dealing with all this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, stuff? Yeah. So, so COVID-19 was a mixed bag of challenges for us. Unfortunately, you know, we, we did have a loss of an employee and that was very challenging for, you know, culture. Um, and then, you know, uh, on, on the business side of things, we saw quite a bit of, um, you know, increased demand out of, out of portions yeah. of our business. And, uh, we, you know, struggled with supply chain. We struggled with that, you know, some of the global economic challenges that we've had. Um, and, you know, so I, I would say it was, it was a mixed bag of, of supply chain challenges last year, as well as really keeping, keeping our main focus on keeping our customers and our employees safe and our suppliers safe and really all the stakeholders in our organization. And I feel like the business, um, did a really, really great job. Our, our team responded very quick to, Hey, let's, we're starting to work from home. We had the tools our, our I can't thank our IT team enough to, to, you know, I don't think they ever had pandemic in a business continuity plan, but at the end of the day, we were, we were prepared for it, you know, within a 24 hour, um, you know, window where we were able to really almost go full remote on, uh, on a lot of roles. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, typical answer, and I hate to give a generic, uh, answer in any question, but I think just keeping, keeping company morale going during a very, very challenging time. You know, people struggled with, 
you know, mental health and everything else on their personal lives. And, and you want to make your, your professional um, culture, the highlight of the day, not the, not the downside. Uh, what was it that you like, I, man, I did not see that coming. Um, and I know there's a lot of things when it yeah. comes to, to a pandemic, like you said, you didn't have uh, COVID-19 in your, in your disaster plan for it, but you know, some other thing that would just really blindsided you and you had to go, okay, well, this is an interesting one. We're going to have to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had, uh, uh, I think always, it, it didn't necessarily surprise me, but it was, you know, at the, the beginning of the pandemic, we had, you know, we really focused on company, um, you know, keeping the employees safe and everything else. And, and when we did that, we, we tried to, you know, we, we were forced to shift to a more of virtual world. I guess the biggest, and it wasn't totally a surprise, but the biggest surprise was, you know, there's a lot of bad guys out there with security uh, uh, mm. that are trying to get in on the, on the security side. And we were really able to, to keep that out for the most part as an organization and, 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 you know, never miss shipments due to it. But I guess the surprise was how many bad guys out there there were and really? how many pe people that, that, you know, saw this as an opportunity. So that would probably be my big aha. Wow. I wasn't expecting this, this to, to occur. Ugh, so makes me angry just thinking. About it, it does. Yeah. It does. But it's, it's a, you know, there, there's always bad people and that's why you, you hire a really good, uh, you know, IT team to be able to support that. And, um, you know, I, I, I made a joke this morning in our executive meeting, not a joke, but you know, our word acting like business is normal and doing, doing pretty well. And, and meanwhile, our IT directors in the background, you know, fighting off the bad guys, you know, and nobody knows that's going on, but it, 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 it occurs, but you know, t teams really, really responded well. As we hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel here, um, you know, within hopefully in 21, um, if not early 22, what are you most excited about for the future of network solutions? You know, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. You know, I think when we as an organization came together, you know, we have a, a the, the, you know, legacy all systems broadband skill set. We have the legacy telex skill set. You know, we saw a vision and we saw a future where we could improve our ability to respond to our customers' needs. And, uh, you know, this year post-pandemic is really that that year of execution where where we're able to, you know, tie all the pieces together and and be that much stronger. You know, the, the whole goal in any scenario like this is, you know, one plus one equaling three. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, I do believe that, that we're there. Um, I also, I also see, you know, we have 5g, uh, actually, you know, happening where right. I think in the past, in the past we had, you know, I, I read a great article of the only people that have made money on 5g over the past seven years is trade shows. And I think, <laughs> I think, I think there's some truth to that. And we're starting to see our carry, you know, the carriers really, you know, build out their 5g uh, networks and you know come up with new challenges along the way that they did you know they may have not planned for so yeah. i think that there's a lot of opportunity for us as we move forward uh, i'm most excited uh about the data center market i i just believe that content will continue to grow and needs for content and needs for better connectivity closer in 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 edge compute uh is a market that uh that's, um, that's, that's booming and we should, should be able to, to, you know, help serve those customers there. No, I hope so. I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about it. That's for sure. So a question 
now on why did you decide to become a horned frog? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I went to a, a, a small uh, um, uh, Presbyterian school here locally in the Spokane, Washington area. Yeah. Um, Whitworth University, wonderful, wonderful university. But, you know, my first year, I realized, hey, I want a little bit bigger university and wanted to go to a really, you know, top 25 business school was kind of a goal. And um, I didn't I didn't necessarily want to go to uh, a big, you know, University of Washington, which is across the state. I yeah. said, hey, once once you're on a plane, you're on a plane. So wherever I go, I'll go. So, you know, I toured a few few schools down in, in the Texas area. And so I toured um, uh, Southern Methodist University, Baylor University and Texas Christian and um, chose right away. I said, hey, I'm going to apply here. If I don't get in, I'll you know, do some community college and figure out where I go in the future. And, and, you know, the rest is history. So how was your experience there? It's great school. Yeah. Um, really, really, really thankful for education, really strong education. And, you know, the, the culture down in Texas, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the state of Texas yeah. and, um, you know, met a lot of really great friends all over the country now. And, uh, on top of it, got to watch some really good football. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Especially over the last, uh, 15, 20 years. They've been great. Yeah. 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 That's right. And when, when I was there, got to, got to see us win a Rose bowl. That was, that was, that was really fun. So. Ah, must've been the Andy Dalton years. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Um, so when you're not working now, uh, at, uh, Amphenol Network Solutions, uh, I know you have uh, a family and some young kids. So what do you like to do when you're not working? Uh, so I'm an outdoors guy. So, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy, um, I enjoy fly fishing is kind of my number one, uh, way to, to, to get out. So really love to fly fish as well as, as hunt. Um, and you know, obviously spend time, we have some, some horses out in Montana and then, um, get to spend some time out in, in the, in the hill country climbing, hiking and doing all that. So. So we'll end with this. Um, I stick you on a desert island. Uh, no fly fishing allowed. Eh, well, maybe. I mean, you do have to eat. But I uh, allow you to have one album, one book, and one movie to keep you entertained. We'll start with we'll start with the book. And I'm gonna <laughs> go. I, I'm assuming it's probably either Wealth of Nations or something else. Or you're gonna go in a different direction. There you go. Well, uh, you know, on a book, I, I, I'm actually going to go away from Adam Smith personally. It'd have to be the Bible. That's uh, that, that's the one for me on, on the, on the desert Island. Okay. Fair enough. I got to figure out how to get off. Right. And I don't <laughs> think Adam Smith's going to help me get off. <laughs> no, probably not. How about an album? Uh, album albums, tough one. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a country music fan. I've always have been. I uh, have to probably be a George, George Strait or um, uh, maybe even George Jones. I like old old country. Old country. Is there like a particular song that you like? I say George Jones. Uh, uh, all of uh, them? Yeah. I'm a, you know, <laughs> Randy Travis. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any, any, any specific favorites. Okay. How about a movie? Um, movie. Movie's a little bit tougher. There's a lot of really, really good movies out there. Um, Ah, man, that's a tough one. I know this should be a very, very easy one, but the one that's coming to my head is is a movie with Tom Cruise and Philip Seymour Hoffman called Magnolia. 
So Whoa, that's a that's a heavy that, deep movie. That's a he- heavy movie, <laughs> but it's uh it's it's a good one. And it's three hours long, so it would it it would take up some time. That's there you sure. go. Yep. Yeah, Paul yeah. Thomas yeah. Anderson, a great movie, but yes, very. Yeah, get ready. Yeah, rest rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's yeah. he's he's one of my favorites. So, yes, uh, upstate New York, by the way. Rochester. There you go, upstate yeah. New York. So, well, listen, that's three great selections. Um, Spencer, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate learning a little bit about you, about your business. Thank you again for for joining us. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate it.